Today on The Journey. We're invited to the throne of grace. And we can come, the writer says, with confidence. We can come with courage because our Heavenly Father, the God of grace, sits on that throne. When the winds of need, both great and small, blow against you, how do you find the grace to help? Well, in this half hour, Ron Moore directs you to shelter and to the one who will greet you there. Plus, after the message, I'll let you know about Ron's devotional booklet titled Garments of Grace. In it, you'll discover eight items of spiritual clothing God wants every believer to wear. Garments of Grace is available as a digital download for a donation of any amount at ronmore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with a message titled, The Grace of Prayer on the Journey. There are times when we need help. There are times when the task is just too great. There are times when the challenges before us loom like large mountain peaks that seem uncrossable. There are times when the pain is so deep and so real, we don't know how we're going to stand it another day. We need help. We need a place to go. Where do you go to when the burden is just too heavy to bear? Where do you go to when the pain is too much to handle? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. We've been studying the doctrine of grace. And we've seen in grace God's unconditional, his unfathomable love for his children. Today, I want us to take a passage of Scripture. I want us just to absorb it. I want us to experience, I want us to feel what God is telling us in these few verses found in Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 14. Therefore, we have such a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, And because we have such a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, then let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and that we may find grace to help us in our time of need. It's a throne of grace because the God of all grace, the God of all mercy, the God of all comfort, the God of all strength sits on that throne. If you look through Scripture, you find other passages in Revelation chapter 6 where there is a throne of wrath. And those who see that throne of wrath, the kings and the queens and the enslaved and the free, they hide in the rocks and they hide in the caves and they ask that the rocks fall on them because they do not want to approach the throne of wrath. They're trying to approach it on their own. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 6. You'll see Isaiah as he approaches 
the throne, and there he sees God high and exalted, he says. He sees the holiness of God. God allows him to see the sinlessness of the holy, eternal God. And he cries out, woe is me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. But here in Hebrews, it's not the throne of wrath we're invited to. It's not even the throne of holiness that we are to tremble before. But here we're invited to the throne of grace. And we can come, the writer says, with confidence. We can come with boldness. We can come with fearlessness. We can come with courage. Because our Heavenly Father, the God of grace, sits on that throne. The word confidence used here is a word that specifically expresses confidence in the presence of high rank. And who can rank higher than the almighty, eternal God? He is still the God of holiness that Isaiah saw. He will be the God of wrath that the apostle John saw. But here, for his children, for those who call him father, he invites us to the throne of grace. Now let's make one thing clear before we move on. That throne of grace is reserved for the children of God. That throne of grace is not for everyone. That throne of grace is for those who realize they are sinners. It's for those who realize their desperate state For those who realize there is absolutely no way they can have a relationship with God apart from Jesus Christ. It's for those who have realized that Jesus Christ came, that he died on a cross for their sins, that he died in their place, that he died instead of them, and they have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. And because of that, they are called children of God. And he says, come to the throne of grace. They are the ones, children, who have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Look over Hebrews chapter 7. Look at verses 23 and 24, 25. Now there have been many priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. It's eternal. Therefore, he is able to save completely to save to eternity, to place us before the holy God in eternity. Those who through him come to God because he always lives to intercede for them. Because of Christ, we can come to the throne of grace. When we come, notice what we find. We find mercy and we find grace to help in our time of need. Christ knew that in this life there were going to be tribulations. He knew there were going to be trials. He knows there are going to be difficulties. But in those times of need, and we will face them, maybe we're in them right now. That's where we go. Not another seminar, not another book. We go to the very throne of grace, and there we find help. Mercy and grace and timing. Those two words, mercy and grace, a lot of times are used synonymously. And they're very similar. But there's a slight difference. And it's this. Grace is God's 
free gift to us, the undeserving. He gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy is when he holds back what we do deserve. And he shows pity on us. And he gives us his comfort and he shows us his compassion and he shows us his love. And the significance of that is you may be in a situation by your own making. It may be because of your sin, you are in a desperate time. And a lot of times when people are in those situations, God is the last person they want to talk to because he reminds them of their sin and certainly he will. But I got to tell you today, that's the place you need to run to. Because even when you have placed yourself in a sinful situation and you need help, God is the one who gives that help, who gives that mercy, who gives his grace, his divine assistance to the Holy Spirit in your time of need. And whatever you're going through, his compassion, his mercy, his forgiveness, his help, his assistance, his comfort is there. And you will find there his presence and you will find that he's all you need. One more passage here. Isaiah chapter 30, look at verse 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. God wants to show his graciousness to you. He wants to pour his mercy on you. And look at the picture. He rises, as it were, from his throne of grace. He sees you coming down the road. He sees you coming in repentance. He sees you coming for help. He sees you coming with your negotiator, Jesus Christ, who lives to intercede for you. And he rises from his throne to show you compassion and to show you the help you need. When you approach the throne of grace, Notice who will be there waiting for you. Look at verse 15, back in chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he never sinned. Not a sinful thought, not a sinful word, no sinful action. When the Greek writer wanted to really emphasize something, when they wanted to put an exclamation to something, they would often use a double negative. That's what's happened in this passage. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We can stop right there and put an exclamation point because the writer is saying this, believers, we most certainly have one who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who understands. We have one who is there with us. There are a lot of times we can empathize with people, but we can't always sympathize. Because one who can sympathize is one who can share the experience because they live through it. And so Jesus Christ is the chief sympathizer. He is the one who has been tested in every way, just as we are, yet he never sinned. He is the one who has been tempted to the fullest extent. See, you and I will never know the full extent of temptation because we're either going to do one of two things. We're going to give in to it or we're going to be delivered from it. But it's Jesus Christ who faced the temptations straight on and never sinned. Use this illustration before. Let me use it again. 
where I come from, they have tractor pulls. When I watch it on television, I see these tractors, and they are magnificent machines. And they harness them to each other, and they just pull against each other. And after a while, one tractor, the engine blows, and the other tractor wins. Just suppose that you harnessed yourself up to one of those tractors. Now, if we did that, we all know that as soon as the tractor gave its first little effort, we'd go down. We'd go down fast because we could not withstand the strength of the tractor. But let's just suppose that someone could harness themselves up and they could brace themselves and they could take on the full power of the tractor. Now, who would really experience the power of that tractor? The one who took it on and never gave in. And so it's Jesus Christ who harnessed himself against sin and it came on him with full force and he never gave in. He knows the full extent of temptation. So because of that, he can sympathize with our weakness. He can sympathize when we're tempted. He knows what it's like. You say, well, that's great, Ron, but I got to tell you this. Jesus never knew what it was like to go through prolonged unemployment. Jesus never got divorced. He wasn't married, so he doesn't know the pain of that. He doesn't know what it's like to bury a child. He doesn't know what it would be like to suffer from a crippling disease. He doesn't know what it's like to watch the pain and agony of a loved one as they die. How can he really know those things? Let's look again at the passage. The passage says, again, verse 15, he was tempted or tested or tried in every way as we are yet without sin. doesn't say he knew every situation, but this is the deal. He experienced every way humans are tempted. He experienced every way human beings are tested. He knew what it was like to grow up in poverty. When we read about his family, when they went to the temple, they purchased the sacrifice of the poorest of the poor. He knew what it was like to have ridicule. He knew what it was like to be rejected by his family. They thought he was crazy at one point. The last we hear of Joseph is in Luke chapter 2. So from the absence of Scripture, we can make a pretty strong reference that Joseph died at some point. So before Christ started his earthly ministry, he knew what it was like to comfort his mom. He knew what it was like to bear the rejection of the dearest friends at the moment he needed them the most. He knew what it was like to face the unbearable pain of the cross. And he knew a rejection that you and I will never, ever have. Because as he hung on that cross, there was a time when God the Father turned his back on God the Son as Christ died for the sin of the world. And sometimes we may feel like we've been forsaken by God, but we will never experience the true forsakenness that Jesus Christ felt. And so he's the one who can say, I know what you're going through. I know how you're feeling. 
I've experienced that pain. Tempted in every way as we are, and yet without sin. I don't know what you're going through today, not all of you. And you know what? If you told me your situation, there's a good chance I may not even be able to understand fully the pain, the fear, the dread, the numbness, the hurt that you're going through. But here's the good news. I can direct you to one who does. And even though you may be the one who's caused the mess, he's waiting for you. Waiting to show you his mercy, his compassion, his love. Waiting to give you the divine assistance, his grace that you need to get through. He knows the full extent of temptation, the full extent of testing. Yet he never sinned. You see, there's no one else to go to. So I invite you today to the throne of grace. And there, the God of all mercy, strength, and comfort waits for you as you stand with your chief negotiator, Jesus Christ. Lee Strobel was an investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune. His wife became a Christian. He started going to church to prove that she was wrong. And in his struggles and his journey, he came to Christ. He writes a tremendous book called The Case for Christ as he interviews many theologians and philosophers and details a strong evidence for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Savior. His second book is called A Case for Faith, and it deals with all those issues in the world that keeps people from faith. And one of those issues is suffering. How can God allow suffering? And he begins with a philosopher named Peter Kreft. And Kreft is a Catholic, widely read by Protestants, written over 40 books in this area. And he goes personally to interview Kreft, and Kreft takes him through all the philosophical arguments, all the theological arguments of suffering, but then at the end, he comes down to the personal aspect of it. And he says, you know, there is no answer for suffering besides Jesus Christ. It's not words of philosophy, it's the word, it's the person of Christ. And Kreft says that when it comes down to it, we need the person of Christ, just like a friend who is sick and dying wants someone with them. They don't need to understand all the biological issues going on. They don't even need to understand all the theological issues going on. They want someone with them. And Kreft says it's Jesus Christ who comes. It's Jesus Christ who is present with us in a real way in our greatest time of need. But the significance of his interview is this. A friend picked him up at the airport, drove him there, and sat in the interview. And that guy's name was Mark Herringer. And just a few years earlier, Mark had been shoveling snow in his driveway. And his wife asked him to watch their little toddler because she had some things to do. And He was shoveling snow and became distracted, and she went to pull the car out and crushed their little girl. 
And as Mark was sharing that story on the way back to the airport, he talked about the presence and the help of Jesus Christ. He said at first he needed help to breathe. And then he needed help to eat. And then he needed help to function even at the most fundamental level of life. He was paralyzed. And he said it was only through God's strength and through God's warmth and through God's compassion that very slowly over time he began to heal. Started a ministry of his own. And now through that tragic situation, ministers to others. Listen to what this man who lived through it said. Sometimes skeptics scoff at the Bible saying that God can cause good to emerge from our pain if we run toward him instead of away from him. But I've watched it happen in my own life. I've experienced God's goodness through deep pain and no skeptic can dispute that. The God who the skeptic denies is the same God who held our hands in the deep, dark places, who strengthened our marriage, who deepened our faith, who increased our reliance on him, who gave us two more children, and who infused our lives with new purpose and meaning so that we could make a difference in others. We live in a broken world, and Jesus was honest enough to tell us that we'd have trials and tribulations. And I know that it sounds sappy to say that the ultimate answer is his presence. But just wait. When your world is rocked, you don't want philosophy or theology as much as you want the reality of Christ. He was the answer for me. He was the very answer we needed. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, we have one who is tempted in every way just as we are and yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. When wanting to look your best in public, do you care about the appearance of your clothing? And the same question could be asked of your spiritual apparel especially of those garments God has provided by His grace. They comprise an eight-piece ensemble made of heaven's finest virtues. You'll find that collection in Ron's PDF booklet titled Garments of Grace. In Garments of Grace, Ron describes each piece and how it's to be worn for God's glory. But here's a warning. When you don this wardrobe, you will be conspicuous. In a world dressed in filthy clothing, torn and tattered by sin, your attire will shine like the stars. Garments of Grace is yours as a digital download for a gift of any amount at ronmore.org. Again, that web address is ronmore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now, let's join Ron for a preview of our next broadcast. We've been studying the doctrine of grace. We've defined it as this, God's free, sovereign favor to the undeserving. It's from God. It is completely free. There's not one thing we can do to earn it, not one thing we can do to deserve it. It is by God's sovereign will and pleasure, the Bible says, that he lavishes it upon us. When we experience that, there are some things in our life that have to change. There are some clothes 
of grace that we put on, some garments of grace. We want to look at those garments of grace. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians. We're going to look today at chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. Paul's writing to believers. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We hope you can join us for that message next time. And please remember to get your copy of Ron Moore's digital devotional, Garments of Grace. In its pages, you'll discover spiritual apparel for the well-dressed Christian. Garments of Grace is yours for a donation of any amount. You can get it online at ronmoore.org. That's ronmoore.org. Also, for our Pittsburgh area listeners, the Real Conversation continues at the Bible Chapel with Real Talk, Conversations from Corinth. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, we'll discover what God has to say about leadership, sex, life, victory, and connection. This is a series you won't want to miss. The Bible Chapel has campuses across the greater Pittsburgh area. Visit BibleChapel.org for a location near you. Again, that address is BibleChapel.org. And if the journey has brightened your day and deepened your walk with Christ, won't you tell your friends and family about our program? Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron next time as we walk together on the journey.